The Bible Study Podcast, episode 198. Today, the Bible Study Podcast both wraps up the study of Revelation as well as starts a new study. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I said we're finishing up Revelation. Today we only have one chapter left of Revelation, and that is Revelation chapter 21. But we're also going to start a new study, and we're going to start with Revelation chapter 21, because we're going to be doing a study on newness and being made new and new creations. And so we're going to start here with a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21 is after the day of judgment, and it is the last chapter in Revelation, and it is the good news chapter, because this is the chapter that all of the Bible is heading towards. This is the chapter that if you wanted to cheat and read to the end of the book, this is what you'd find. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so I say all of the Bible has been heading towards this chapter, and all of earth and creation is still heading towards this day. And so as God saw that we would be sinful and fall away, when God saw the fall of Adam, he came up with this plan, this plan to start again, this plan to make all things new. But God did it in God's time. And God gave us a chance or is giving us a chance for those of us who live in the now, not in the future, to repent, to turn to him, to embrace him and to be part of this plan. But as John writes this book to the people who are in a church that is undergoing persecution, he wants to hold up, or God wants to hold up through John, this day for them to see that all that they're going through will someday end. The day of judgment will come after so much before that. The seals and the bulls and the riders and the all of the things that come before that in Revelation, the day of judgment, and then this day, and that everything is looking forward to this day, a day when everything will be made new, there will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain, because the old order of things, the way things work now, the world that we live in where the devil is the prince of this world will return to the creation with God as the king of creation when everything is reordered because it is put back under the order of God. So the Bible is bookmarked with two chapters on creation. The first in Genesis 1, Genesis 1 and 2, both creation stories, and then the last here in Revelation. And I posit to you that the Bible is about relationship, as I've said many, many times, but the Bible is also about creation and recreation. And so that this whole story of God and his people starts with creation and ends again with creation. And it goes on. 
He said to me, I am done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So we started there with a little bit of good news, but we ended with a little bit of bad news. As Jesus stood talking to the woman of the well, he said that if you had only known, you would have asked of me and I would have given you water and you would never be thirsty again. Well, that is looking forward to this day. That is looking forward to this final day here where water is available without cost from the spring of life. And all the victorious and God's children will experience that, but some will not. We've already gone past here a day of judgment. And this reminds us of the previous chapter here. And it brings out an interesting set of people here because this isn't necessarily a set of people that I can disassociate myself from because at times I am cowardly, at times I lie. And so it is a sobering thought, I think, probably, because any sentence that includes a set of people that I can somewhat identify with and ends with lake of fire is something that needs to give me pause, that perhaps that's not a good group for me to identify with in the sense that that's not a good group for me to associate with or to take part of what they're doing, because it doesn't end well. And the chapter continues. The New Jerusalem, the Bride of the Lamb. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, come down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And so we get this city, this holy city of Jerusalem, descending out of the clouds and being made perfect. Very, You'll notice it's very symmetric, and that its foundations are the apostles and its gates are the tribes. The twelve and the twelve representing the people of God, Old and New Testament, that this is a city of the people of God. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measuring the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of single pearl. 
The great street of the city was of gold and as pure as transparent glass. So this is quite something to look at. You'll notice it's a little bit like a Borg cube. It is as high as it is wide as it is long, and it is roughly 1,400 miles on a side, which is fairly large. You can hold quite a few people in that. And then notice how much it is made of precious stones. And there's, I think, two ways to look at this. One is that this is something of great value, and one is how how amazing this would be to see. Just can you imagine the brilliance given off that by this city? But the other, I would encourage you to also think about it this way. At this point, all of the things that we think of as valuable now, gold and emeralds and all of these jewels are paving materials. There are things to be trod underfoot. That might also imply that they don't have that much value anymore. And I think that that's certainly the case here is that at this point, money is not going to matter that much. And so we see both the wealth, the extravagance of God, and also probably the lack of need for all of the things we strive so hard for in the present day. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city did not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the book of the Lamb. And that is the end of this chapter, and that is the end, the last verse, and the way that we organize the Bible. That is the last verse in the Bible. And probably, since Revelation was most likely the last of the books to be written, the last words written in what we call the books that have been organized into the Bible as we know it. We get this city, the city that is in no need of a temple. All of the forms of religion that we have now that bring us close to God are less needed when you are close to God. You are less needed when you are in the presence of God. There's no need for the temple that would be familiar to the people who John is writing to, assuming that this is all written before the fall of the temple in Jerusalem, would not be needed anymore because God is there. This is a forever that involves our time in the presence of God. You'll notice there's no wings, there's no clouds, there's no harps, but instead there is time spent in the presence of God. There is riches, there is radiance, and there is beauty, and there is no sorrow nor suffering. And this is the future that God paints, and that's the future that God tells John to tell those people who are going through a present so unlike it. So, again, this is also then the start of a study of how God's plans are to make things new. How God starts the Bible with creation and ends again with creation. That God is still in the process of, that God is still in the business of making things new. And so next week, we'll continue on with this theme of newness. So we won't be doing a book study here for a few weeks, but instead we'll be jumping around looking at this theme of how God makes things new. 
With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com on this episode. And again, you can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.